Hey there, you may already know my story from thinking that my life wasn't very valuable or have much purpose to transitioning to the belief that I am valuable and my life was created for a purpose and then starting to finally pursue my biggest dreams. And I have a feeling you might be on a similar path that you're wanting to fully believe in yourself and your quote unquote crazy dreams and have the confidence it takes to audaciously pursue those dreams. So if you're listening right now and thinking, yes, Janelle, that is 100% me, then I have something special for you. You see, I still remember the days where I cared way too much about what other people thought of me and was filled with uncertainty around what I was and wasn't capable of doing with my life. And looking back, I am certain that there is one thing that I wish I had known all this time. I want to share it with you to help you make the transition from caring way too much about other people's opinion of you to becoming a free bird, fully allowing yourself to pursue what you want. So I've created a free resource that lays out the number one thing that's getting in the way of you having that unshakable confidence and how to overcome it. If you're ready to commit to your personal growth and get real honest with yourself, Go to nextlevelconfident.com forward slash confidence muscle and grab this free resource. What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Next Level Confident Podcast. My name is Janelle Lene, and on today's show, we have Matt Shaver. He has spent the last 10 years of his career in sales, marketing and strategy. From working with a startup, selling on the trading floor to Cisco, where he spent the last six years and actually just celebrated his six-year anniversary a few weeks ago. Um, He has had all kinds of success um, in so many different areas of his sales, but his true passion comes from the strategy that goes into making customers and organizations successful and leading internal strategy initiatives. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, excited to talk, even if it's over Zoom. Uh, you know, we do sell WebEx at Cisco, so as you grow your business, we'd be happy to, to give you a WebEx account. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, WebEx. I, the constant fight between WebEx and Zoom. I, I actually have a WebEx training with someone at Cisco next week because I don't know how to use WebEx very well and I'm presenting for Cisco in two weeks and they're like, you obviously have to present on WebEx not Zoom. So, hilarious. Matt, will you tell us one fun fact about yourself? Sure. Um, A fun fact about myself outside of work is I've got a huge passion for music and everything that it's brought to my life. And I've actually seen over... 200 bands in concert from Beyonce to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So it's a pretty, pretty broad spectrum and, you know, my different tastes and genres of music and, you know, seen a lot of different bands over the years. Wow. How is Beyonce? 
Incredible. Actually, so good. I had to see her twice. Once you to my wife for the concert. I have seen her twice. Both were on her uh, formation tour. And the <laughs> production, music quality, I mean, it was truly next level. That She's an amazing. incredible performer and talented musician. Next level. Confident. Ah! See what I did there? Exactly. Very fitting. Very fitting. Very fitting. Yeah, Beyonce. Go Bay. Okay, so you guys, anyone listening, if you're inspired by this man's wisdom and insight on today's podcast, you can connect with him on LinkedIn, Matt Shaver. Shaver is spelled S-H-A-V-E-R, V as in victory, E-R. Feel free to message him with any questions you might have, and he would be happy to support. So today, we're just going to dive right in. We're going to talk about emotional intelligence and effective communication in the workplace. Matt is super passionate about this topic, and while he's not an expert in this area, it is something he's extremely intentional about in his day-to-day -day life. So, in preparing for this podcast, I found an interesting study that showed that 83% of leaders perceive themselves as emotionally intelligent, yet when these leaders are being scored by others, 47% of them were rated as challenged in certain areas of their emotional intelligence. So, we know that emotional intelligence can boost your career. That goes without saying. And Matt, I'm curious, who do you think is going to get the most value out of this podcast? I think that who will get the most value out of this podcast is anybody looking for ways to, you know, simplify their messaging and really break down topics and ideas in the workplace to make them understood uh, amongst their peer group. I mean, I can tell you from my experience at Cisco and, and before that, that, you know, there have definitely been times throughout my career where a lack of doing that definitely hindered me from getting my message across and being effective. And, you know, I think that as I grow my career in relationships amongst my organization, I, I really try and hold myself accountable to continue to improve in, in that category. So, I mean, that's why I'm super excited about being on this podcast and talking about Effective communication is just how can I improve that and how can I share my experiences of where, where I've learned over the last couple of years. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, and I love your humility too. You're like, I'm not an expert, but I am really passionate and really intentional about this. And I think that's truly what matters. So what do you think happens to people who are lacking emotional intelligence or lacking communication skills? Like what happens to those people? I think what happens to, you know, people when you're not able to accurately, you know, deliver your, your message is it's not understood by, by the audience at the end of the day. You know, whether it's talking through career progression, delivering a message or a value proposition to a customer, if you're not speaking to that target audience and delivering a message that's geared towards a target audience, then you're probably going to miss the mark if you're only speaking from you know, your own viewpoint and what you want to get out of the discussion. So just setting a baseline and, you know, middle ground with any conversation you have is very, very important. So it's given and received effectively on, on both ends. I think that's a great question. Totally. And I feel like it can hinder someone in moving up in leadership in their position at their career because of the fact that they are lacking those communication skills or that emotional intelligence because they're not able to clearly articulate what they need or clearly articulate situations to make things better. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one thing that I think 
really comes to mind is people don't know what's in your heart or what your, you know, what your motivators are unless you're communicating them effectively. Like you could be somebody that's got, you know, all your right, you know, heart in the right places, but if it's not known to your peer group, to your leadership, to your customers, you know, perception sometimes doesn't perfectly align with, with reality and effectively communicating can best level set amongst all the different kinds of facets amongst an organization. So I think it's very, very important to effectively communicate at all those different levels. Yeah, that's so true. I think it's easy for like in your brain, you know what you stand for, you know what you're thinking, or it's all happening in your head. But sometimes when people try to say it out loud, it comes out differently than they meant it, or it's, they don't say it out loud, right? They just think it in their head and then they, they assume people know what they're thinking, but no one knows what you're thinking about if you aren't willing to be vulnerable enough to say it out loud. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Cool. So Matt, why do the topics of emotional intelligence, EI, which I will call EI from here on out, and effective communication okay. light you up? Why do those light you up? Uh, they light me up because in my, in my job role, being in account management, uh, being able to effectively communicate and simplify a message to, to our customers or to our leadership and you know, what we need is you know, pulling away from just the individual lens of you know, Matt Shaver and what I want to convey to our customers, to you know, my peers in the organization, to my leadership, and really holding myself accountable to make sure that I'm looking at it from their perspective and able to kind of tailor my message to, so it's understood by everybody that, that I'm talking to and constantly trying to improve that and try and find a way to, to oversimplify in a very you know, convoluted and very complex industry of technology. I think the driving a simplistic message mm. is very, very important so that we can align with, with our customers in the right ways. Wow, that's really well said. That's really profound. Less is more, less is more. Okay, so going back to our interesting study that showed that 83% of leaders perceive themselves as emotionally intelligent, yet the leaders were scored much lower by their peers and by other people in the company. So what this shows is that often people think that they're doing better in the category of emotional intelligence than they actually are. <laughs> Matt, why do you think that is? Well, that, that's a great, uh, a great data point. And uh, a similar one that, that I read recently too that I can also speak to is one rated amongst your peers of effectiveness. Let's say there's a, a team of 10 people 70 plus percent think that they're in the top half. So seven of the 10 people think that they're better than the bottom half. And I think it's just because naturally how we self-evaluate, right? We like to think highly of ourselves, be, you know, maybe a little bit overly confident in, in some of those categories. And uh, I think that that's just naturally where we go. At, it's our, in our human nature to think that we're in, you know, a, a top performing stack rank, right? And uh, I think it's a, a great call out for, just how powerful self-evaluation is and how maybe a lot of us aren't doing that accurately. I think that we need to have a little bit more humility in how we're really focusing on our own feedback and how we can loop in our peers, our customers, and our leaders to really you know, level set on that feedback. So I think, it's a, I think that's a great survey on, and good data that came from that for sure, because I think it's something that we can all learn from. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of times when you fill out a quiz or something like this, like I think of personal development or uh, personality assessments, a lot of times we 
we kind of answer how we think we're supposed to answer. Like we, we fudge a little bit because we, we want to be perceived a different way. So I, I kind of wonder right. if that's what's happening with, with these types of things. Like they're, people are perceiving themselves as higher because they're like, well, I should be good at listening. So I'll rate myself high at listening or something like that. They know they should be good at it. So they rate themselves like they are. Um, but ultimately I love what you're saying about having that humility and actually reflecting enough to be like, what is actually true about me? What, what are the things I do need to grow in? Yeah, that's a, a really good point. of college students are women, and 48% of employees in the workplace are women, which is awesome. Ladies, this is proof that we are smart and working hard. But you know what's not so awesome? Only 29% of VPs and just 22% of C-suite executives are women. In male-dominated industries such as STEM, these numbers are even more startling. As these numbers state, women aren't lacking the knowledge, education, or ability to be leaders in the workplace. What many women are lacking is the confidence to take on risk. Most of us have heard this one before. Men will apply for jobs they are 60% qualified for, yet women will only apply for jobs they are 100% qualified for. This type of stat also applies to women at their job, not willing to take on that new, unknown project. What she's lacking is the belief that her skills and abilities are not only quote-unquote okay, but are powerful and needed in the workplace. The Confidence Workshop is created to help women dig deep into their mindset and get to the root of this problem. If this conversation gets you as fired up as it gets me, we are now taking applications for this workshop for the ladies of STEM corporations. Please head to our website at nextlevelconfident.com to learn more about the Confidence Workshop. Okay, so whether someone is listening right now and they're like, well, I'm an awesome communicator already, or maybe someone is listening thinking, thinking, shoot, I think I'm a bad communicator. How does one measure themselves in the area of communication and EI? This is something I thought a lot about when you first asked me to be on your podcast. It's how do I evaluate myself, right? Because before I can give some guidance on on how other people can evaluate themselves, I thought about data points that are easy to look back on. I think you have to reflect on one thing. It's the past and then how you, you know, track yourself looking into the future. Uh, I think that from a past standpoint, you can look at big emotional events that happened in our society and how did you react and how did you converse with people? I think that what's going on right now with racial injustice in our country is a great thing to really self-evaluate. Like, were you empathetic to people and and their viewpoints? Were you listening or were you trying to drive your own, uh, you know, preconceived opinions in that area? And are you able to fully understand somebody else's viewpoint? Uh, If you're you're having all those conversations and you're truly there to gain perspective uh, and, and learn, I think that that shows a lot of empathy. And I think that on the contrary to that, you know, I think that you can self-evaluate based on how you've reacted to, you know, that, that problem and those discussions amongst, you know, peers at work or, you know, especially people outside of work at, at home. So I think looking back at how you've handled, you know, issues that you can relate to and remember on what your thoughts were and really just 
track and baseline, you know, where you were really at at that point in time, I think is a really good uh, ballpark for how you can set and baseline, you know, where you were at in the past. Mm. So do you feel like empathy is one of the key players in knowing that you have emotional intelligence? I think that empathy is definitely a, a, a large factor of, of emotional intelligence and just the ability to, to understand, you know, where somebody comes from, you know, do you value their opinion? Do you value them as an individual? And can you get in their frame of mind so that when they're coming to you with a thought or idea that you're able to actively react to, to them appropriately? And I think that that's where the emotional intelligence comes in. You know, if something happens that makes you uncomfortable, well, what can you do to diffuse that and, you know, give that person a sense of comfort during a difficult conversation? And I think that emotional intelligence is really a toolkit on how to react properly to a really diverse group of people in the human race, right? And, and the problems and, and things that come to mind in day-to-day -day conversations. Having diversity in your response, I think, is a, a good way of simplifying, you know, what somebody who's high in EI uh, is able to do, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of different answers for that. Wow, that's really cool. And I think part of that, like, going along with this conversation is having a diversity in your friend group. Yeah, and, and it's something that's hugely important to me in my, in my personal life, but also important to the organization I work for, being Cisco. You know, we just changed our, our mission statement, and I'll be paraphrasing here, but you know, we're defining our, our mission moving forward at Cisco as powering a, a future of inclusion you know, in, in the workplace and beyond. And I think that just is a great testament to how much that we value diversity in, in our workplace, and it's diversity of thought, diversity of background, culture, ethnicity, and just all the different things that you're naming, it's, it's hard to grow as an organization if everybody looks and thinks the same. There's not going to be new ideas. We're not going to be challenged uh, as a company. And we certainly can't you know, help and challenge our customers to grow either if we're not challenging ourselves and innovating internally. And I think that the best way of doing that is hiring for, for diversity across all those different segments. And uh, I think that that's something that we're doing from – from a women's standpoint, uh, we've got a you know huge you know group of our senior leadership team that's driving uh, a great inner working called Women of Impact to really champion the voice of, yeah, of women. Yeah, Women of Impact, let's I go! I, oh. I bring it up because you're because you're you've been a part of those discussions, so wanted to give you a quick plug. Then uh, I couldn't be more proud of the company I work for, how we're handling what's going on from a racial injustice standpoint, and just you know like we talked about, this is all about communication. Our leadership is very actively and proactively communicating how we're responding to all these things. And it's not just all talk, like we're, we're backing it up with action. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of our senior leadership team and you know, all the people within Cisco. It's great to have the dialogue be out in the open. And uh, that, that's, you know, quite frankly, where this is, should have been for quite a long time for all these different issues that we were talking about. Yeah. Totally. Oh, I love that segue into diversity because it does have so much to do with emotional intelligence and having effective communication in the workplace. So cool. Um, so the last thing I was going to ask you on this is, do you know if there are any tests that someone could take um, that would tell them where they're at on the emotional intelligence scale? I don't know of any tests but what i think is really important is testing yourself um, from a feedback perspective i've been really fortunate to have two people on two separate teams kind of check 
you know, checked me at the door the first couple of months in the role and be like, hey, I think that you're laser focused and being effective in your role, but here are a couple of things that you're, you're missing out on. And because I've had people that were willing to give me some proactive feedback, I mean, it's, it's really helped shape, you know, the, some of the areas that I've been, you know, pretty, pretty low performing in. And I think that that's good to have people in your circle that can give you some raw feedback to help you grow. But from a feedback standpoint, I think that if you're looking to improve in this area of communication and uh, emotional intelligence, that you need to authentically want to improve and change and be genuine in that and ask the right people. Uh, that can be mentors, that can be your leadership, uh, you know, and it, it definitely can be friends and family. I know that if you want good feedback, that really starts at, in, at home. So, you know, anytime that I have feedback in the workplace, the first person I go to is my wife to, you know, verify you know, what elements of that are true and try and start at home, right? Because that's who we interact with the most. Uh, the second thing that I would say is that if you're asking for feedback, ask for feedback consistently and ask for feedback uh, intentionally and specifically. So if you've got an area that you want to grow in, then be specific in, in your ask to your peers or, you know, to that co-pilot in your mentorship circle. Like I've got a good buddy within Cisco that the things that I'm trying to grow on, I'll try and have him hold me accountable throughout that process. And, you know, having people that are accountability buddies in work, outside of work, in your peer group, and also a step above you is, is very important because everybody's got a different perspective from each of those different segments of, of your life. So that's what I would say is test yourself in feedback and how you're asking for feedback and who you're asking it to. Mm, so cool. So what's an example of asking for specific feedback? I think that if there's a problem that you need to address, and I'll, I'll speak to you know, one of the teams that I transitioned to, I'll speak to something that, that I learned from. The feedback that I got is, is it was positive, was that you're really driven. Uh, it's apparent that you want to be successful in the role, but, and there's always a but, right? Uh, but I think that what wasn't going well was that I think the perception of, of me and, and you know, my view on the team or my view of, of peers was maybe not what was actually in my heart because I was so focused on being successful and just like, you know, just laser focused on doing that, that sometimes that if you're in a race, uh, which, you know, life is a long, it's a long race, it's a long journey. Uh, I think that the first four and a half years of my, you know, journey at Cisco, I was kind of doing a drag race. Uh, and, you know, in a drag race, you've got one objective, it's to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And I've always known, you know, where I wanted to go in my career. And so at that point, just how fast can, can I get there? And I had a really impactful conversation with one of my mentors 18 months ago. It was, you know, just kind of helping shape how I should be going about my career. And if you're in a drag race, you're not really looking to your right or your left. You're just looking forward. And uh, the biggest things that you can learn are usually, you know, to the right or left. And so now I'm trying to change and transition my career from a drag race to, you know, more of a, you know, a, a winding and, you know, you know, race, racetrack, you know, that's got different hurdles, different pit stops, you know, things are going to change. There's going to be things that, that come up that you weren't expecting. And, uh, you know, it's not just a siloed view of, you know, where you want to go and, you know, what's your thoughts on how to get there. You really got to look to your right or left and really tune into the people that are around you to best round you out. And so uh, it's always good to have people that can give you that feedback. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's up to you at that point to, after you get the feedback to check in and see how you're, how you're doing. 
you know, have you taken that feedback to heart? Or are you still operating business as usual? Mm, so good. And I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing a personal example from your own life. Um, yeah, I, one thing I've had clients do in the past is reaching out for feedback because I actually had a coach that did this um, in a program I was in about two and a half years ago and you would reach out to, I think it was five different people and you would get like, what are my three best qualities and then what are my three areas for improvement? And hmm. so I reached out to, yeah, like kind of a plethora of people. I, one was my mom, one was my, um, at that time I was working at the gym and I asked my boss there and a couple close friends and I kind of just went a couple different directions with it. But it's, it's fun to read the parts where they're like, you're really good at this, this, and this. And you're like, yeah. And then you get to like the areas for improvement. It's, it's never right. easy to read about your areas for improvement. And I have gotten really similar feedback to you, Matt, of like, I am super gung-ho, I'm driven, I'm moving quickly, but sometimes I'm moving so quickly that I am barreling over other people or I'm like leaving people out in the process. So I've definitely been working on getting more intentional of slowing down and being okay with the pit stops, like you said, and it being more of a yeah. collaborative thing too, seeing other people win instead of just driving for my own quote unquote success or whatever it is. And so, yeah, it's never easy to hear feedback, but I love that. I love that you're, you're um, encouraging everyone listening. If you're listening right now and you're a part of this audience, you're a part of this conversation, please do this, start asking people and then have the humility to receive the, the negative quote unquote negative feedback and use it for your growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's a, a good call out. And I think that from an evaluation standpoint, I think it comes down to two words. One would be patience and one would be being present in your career. Um, you know, it's not always about, you know, making, making the next step. It's really just about doing the job you're doing well, um, learning from all the people around you. There's truly something to be learned from everyone. And uh, you can't really learn if people don't know that you have their back and, you know, then in turn, you know, eventually they're going to have yours as well. And I've got an awesome team that I learned a lot from daily. And, uh, you know, I think that got to take that extra step to you know, really make sure um, that the leaders at least do. And, you know, my leader's done a great job at making sure that everybody's voice on the team is heard and that everybody plays a, a unique value in what they can bring to the table for us to collectively uh, improve, which is, in my opinion, the name of the game, you know, always be growing. Yeah, so cool. I love it. So in your experience at Cisco, what do you feel like is the main difference between most men's communication styles versus most women's communication styles? Um, and then how do you think that men can learn from women and how can women learn from men? That's a great question. Um, we've got, you know, a, an excellent team of people that uh, in our group of, of men and women uh, in our team. And what I can speak to is, from my experiences, everybody comes to the table with a different background, a different chemical makeup, uh, and you know, a different just upbringing, right? And they bring that to the table. And what I've learned from, from men and women, uh, not so much in how they communicate differently, but from a couple of women that I've mentored is the difference in the problems that they're trying to solve for in the workplace. Is a lot of times it's, as a woman, how do I approach this uh, in a, you know, predominantly male environment, whereas men not necessarily have, like, you know, have worried about that, you know, in the mentorships that I've had with, with younger men trying to, you know, work their way up in their career, that's not the same lens and issue that they're trying to solve for. And so I think that what I've learned from communications is 
you know, whether it be a, a man or a woman that you're talking to, always understand that there, there might be something behind the scenes that, that they feel is a barrier. Um, sometimes those barriers can be very real. Like, uh, you know, there's obviously a gender barrier that as a country we're really working to progress and we've made huge strides over the last couple of decades. But just being cognizant and aware that everybody comes from a different background, everybody's got preconceived notions of what's holding them back, and you really need to lay um, groundwork for open communication so that you as a leader or you as a peer or you as a friend can help that person overcome. And I think that at the beginning, you really have to make people feel comfortable in their own shoes and, you know, in the end, confident in, in who they are and what they bring to the table. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we just have a few final questions and then we're going to wrap this thing up. So um, the next question I have is this entire conversation, having effective communication both at work and, and at home, of course, is, is constantly striving to grow one's emotional intelligence. And, and all this relates perfectly into everything that I teach at Next Level Confident because confidence plays a huge role in communication. So why do you think confidence and communication are so correlated for humans in the workplace? I think that from a messaging standpoint, uh, if you say something and you're not, assertive is not the right word, but you don't, you don't believe you know, the words that, that you're saying, especially when you're making statements or trying to bring somebody to your side with argument, if you're not emphatically confident in, in what you're stating, it's tough for people to, to buy in. And I think that you know, confidence is huge to getting your message across because the tonality of your voice uh, at the end of the day comes back to, you know, are you confident or you know, are you continuing to you know, at least fake it and make it uh, you know, that you are confident in what you're trying to get across. And I think it's important to have some strength into the message that you're trying to send to your audience so that it's, it's received and, you know, more importantly, it's heard. Yeah, totally. So do you think that there can be someone who is confident and humble at the same time? I, I do. And uh, it's funny because that, that definitely comes up a lot in, in the workplaces, you know, is this person, especially with a bunch of type A's like there are at any sales organization for that matter. Right. Um, and I think that you have to really make, look and, and evaluate the chemical makeup of your confidence. You know, what does it come from? Uh, and I think that there's a couple of different elements of, of confidence. You know, a good side of confidence would be from, you know, your work ethic, from your, your peer of mentors, uh, and just, you know, think about, you know, presidential confidence, like, of, you know, all the best past presidents. I wouldn't say that they had an, an arrogant persona, but probably you know, a confidence in their message they are trying to get across. And I think to relate that to the workplace, you know, why would somebody have presidential confidence? It's because they're surrounding themselves with people that care about the success of, you know, in the president's case, the country, or in, you know, your own success, care about you. And you're relying on all these experts in different areas of your field to really give you good guidance moving forward. And like, you know, if, if that's the way that you operate, then you should be confident that you're going to be successful because you've got people that know a lot more than you do in certain categories, and they are going to give you all of that, you know, juicy goodness to be successful in your field. And I think that a bad side of the confidence, you know, equation would be somebody who's self-fulfilling or relies solely on their ability. Uh, and I think that, you know, the comparison contrary to, you know, a presidential confidence would be, you've ever seen the movie 
Friday Night Lights, great sports movie. But if you think about their star running back, so Booby Miles, he just had a you know, huge confidence in himself, and it was just all about Booby Miles and you know, how he was God's gift to football. And at the end of the day, he ended up hurting himself and hurting his team, even though he had the most talent uh, you know, on that entire team. So really think through, where does your confidence stem from? Uh, does it stem from you know, having faith in your supporting mentorship community and circle and your work ethic and your willingness to improve? Or is it something that's you know, more arrogant and self-fulfilling and self-seeking? Um, mm-hmm. That's how I would break down confidence. And if you're on the right side of that spectrum, then I, you know, I think that you're, you're, in a good, you're in a good place and your confidence is rooted you know, on a pretty firm foundation. Uh, and I think that that's what's most important. Yeah. Totally. So you're saying you do think you can be confident and humble at the same time. I do. I definitely do. Um, I, I know that it really just comes down to what it's rooted in. Yeah. And I think that if you, if you take time to, fi- to figure that out and do some soul searching, you, know, you might find that there's certain areas in your, in your life that maybe you are you know, confident on you know, the, the negative spectrum. And you know, maybe so- certain areas of your life you're confident because of the right reasons. And I think that just taking some time to really self-evaluate, you know, what's, you know, what's the area of confidence that you're leaning towards, I think would be helpful because just like you're doing what you're doing and I, and I applaud you for, for creating confidence amongst women. I think that everybody on this earth deserves the right to feel confident in who they are, what they bring to the table, what they look like, uh, and just, you know, what, who they are as individuals and, and humans. And uh, I think that, guiding that confidence in the right areas and investing in the right buckets of confidence is, is really important. And the more you do that and the more intentional you are, then the more that confidence is going to align from a perception standpoint to your peers, friends, family. And uh, I think that you know, the self-evaluation portion of that's important so that what you're striving for from a confidence standpoint is what other people view in yourself too. And sometimes you have to really be intentional and over communicate that to get the message across. Because yeah. I've definitely uh, had circumstances amongst, you know, my time at, at Cisco uh, where, you know, when I was early in career, super, super driven, working, working really hard. And I felt super confident that I was going to be successful because I just have a, a great group of people around me. And sometimes that when you don't let the people around you know how, how important they are to your success, then your perception cannot meet the heart of your reality. And that's something that as a driven individual and anybody who's listening to this who's driven, you really need to be intentional to make sure that you're over communicating that area so you don't fall into a position like like I have you know a time or two in my career where you're having to you know make that that you know that heart and where you're where you're trying to go known and just you know learn from that learn from past experiences and learn from others past experiences and you'll be in a good spot yeah cool okay so on this high emotional intelligence chart there is a list that says someone with high emotional intelligence is assertive ambitious driven strong-willed and decisive and on another Mm -hmm. part of this list it says that someone with with a high ei emotional intelligence is patience patient stable predictable and consistent those lists almost seem like oxymorons to me in a way. Can you explain why you think someone can, can and should embody all those characteristics? 
Definitely. Um, and this kind of is a good segue from you know the last question you asked and my comments about where you had to do where I had to do self evaluation. Uh, I think that when you're driving forward, you're sometimes lacking some of those contrast elements like patience, uh, you know, being stable, whether it's in your role or, you know, in any, in any construct, right? And I think that as I was doing my self-evaluation, I really had to focus on the, the contrary elements of, you know, that, that spectrum. So patience and being just stable in, in a role and stable to your team, right? Uh, and I think that, you know, as you work to, to progress that area, um, you know, you just need to, you need to self-evaluate properly. And uh, I think that once you get to a great place of emotional intelligence, that based on the situation you're in, you're able to give all six of those different variables, uh, you know, effectively at the right time. And I think that that's what emotional intelligence comes down to is, you know, being able to have that toolkit, like we talked about earlier, to address any situation that comes your way properly and not just rely on the three or four areas that you're most strong in. Uh, so that's definitely been something that I've been working on the last 18 months after having a conversation with a mentor is, you know, being a little bit more patient, being a little bit more intentional in the areas that, that I want to grow. Because we, we can always grow, and those were definitely some blind spots for me, back to the, you know, the driving a car analogy. So trying to address the, the blind spots. Yes. Um, so you guys, anyone who's listening right now, I'm going to link this chart, this high emotional intelligence chart into the show notes. So if you want to go look at them, I think it'd be really helpful. And then just finding a few of those words that you're like, Ooh, it's knowing that with a growth mindset, we know that just cause we might be naturally one way doesn't mean we can't embody some of these other characteristics, even if it doesn't feel quite as natural for us. And it's not about changing who you are. It's just about growing into those areas it won't be perfect and it will be messy, but it's going to be worth mm -hmm. looking at both spectrums. Don't just focus on your strengths only and just be like, well, those are my weaknesses. Never mind. Never looking at those. So look at the chart that I am linking here and assess what are your top three or four strengths within emotional intelligence? And then where are your three or four areas for growth within emotional intelligence? So that said, Matt, if you could have every listener walk away from this podcast to take action on one thing, what would it be? So I wrote this down. So I'm going to read it word for word because my goal was to give a simplistic leave behind. So this is what I wrote down uh, in one sentence. So when it comes to effective communication, how a message is received by others is 10 times more important than how the message was created from yourself. I will leave you with that. But uh, I think that that was really important and applicable to me. It's you know really making the message be about how it's gonna be received from your audience and not what you want to convey in your message and uh, really putting yourself in the shoes of, of others and then crafting and framing your message accordingly. Probably the action step along with that is what a conglomeration of what we just talked about. It's probably getting feedback from you know, say three people get feedback and then also look at the chart and, and self-evaluate what are the things that you are really good at and what are the areas of improvement and write it down. I'm huge with journaling homework. I think writing it down, this will help you in everything that you just said, Matt, in regards to yeah. learning how to have that filter and listening to people in the workplace and having that effective communication. Yeah, 
I think that that's a, a great way of making this into to a smart goal. Feedback's critical and uh, very important to me in my life as I work to grow to just do what I can do, which is to be the best version of myself, day in and day out, and you got to be open to to change and asking for what you can change from people that matter to you. So thanks again for, for having me today. It's been fun. can check off that I've you know, now gotten my first podcast under my belt. Yes. Very exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Matt. You rock. You guys, if you want to go check Matt out, add him on LinkedIn, Matt Shaver. He is linked below. So you can go and connect with him there. If you have any questions or if you just want to tell him how awesome your experience was listening to this, you can send him a message. Have a great rest of your day.